0: You're listening to the EFC Podcast. Dr. Nicholas Greco is Associate Professor of Communications and Media at Providence Theological Seminary in Manitoba. He is a social media expert, and he spoke with us about how Christians use social media and about his latest, very interesting Twitter project. My name is Karen Stiller. Nicholas, almost everyone I know, all of my Christian friends, I think, or the vast majority of them, are pretty active on social media. And I'm wondering do you have any concerns about that in terms of um, just generally about our faith and how we act on social media or the role it plays in our lives? Let's start there.
1: That's a good question. I think social media can really be useful for us simply to communicate with other people. It's a way for us to actually engage with people that are, you know, at a distance or people that we don't know all that well, but we want to, you know, give some sort of communication out to the world. So social media is good that way. It keeps us connected. But on the other hand, of course, there's always there are always abuses to the media that's around us. We could be concerned because social media takes up all of our time and so on. So there's always... There's always a a balance there that needs to happen, but that's for everybody, not only people of faith. I think what we have to remember as people of faith is to communicate and, and make sure that our communication is actually effective, that it's not a waste of time.
0: What about uh, right away, I think of um, envy and, uh, you know, FOMO, the fear of missing out and just all these uh, sort of grave sins. (laughs) I think we're all susceptible to but uh, I know, you know, I can get a little stirred up if I'm watching too many friends go out on a yacht on Facebook. Speak to me about that just the whole spiritual cost of it.
1: Sure. And, you know, as a communications person, Professor, as a as a media scholar, I have to say that the media don't really do anything. It's it's we who do something using the media that's around us. And so, okay. if we are in fact uh, envious of those around us because we see them doing all kinds of things you know, that that we wish we were doing, but we don't have that opportunity, if we see that sort of thing, it's it's actually our fault. I mean, we, as you suggested, we're we're the ones who are perhaps you know committing those those sins and so we always have to be aware of how we're behaving whether it be on social media or whether it be face to face with those that are around us
0: so in fact it's a great opportunity for spiritual growth you're saying
1: you know i think it is there's um there's a, a communication scholar from Calvin College. His name is Quentin Schulze, and he talks about how when we communicate, the t- the tendency for any of our messages is to go towards entropy. You know, we say something and it's it's gone the minute we say it. And think about if we think about social media or uh, internet communication, the minute we type something into Facebook, you know that that newsfeed goes away pretty quickly. But he says that every opportunity we get, we should try to work towards shalom this idea of being in harmony with God and harmony with other people. And I use that oftentimes with my students because they don't always realize the opportunities they have when they actually use social media. Uh, it's important for us to remember that this is a uh, an opportunity for us to communicate with others, and we shouldn't squander it.
0: I really like that idea of it being an opportunity for shalom because, uh, it, well, even just recently I was watching some Christians um, kind of debate and get A little bit, I don't know, snappy with each other in a way that I, I don't know, maybe they would if they were in person, maybe it would have been worse if they were in person. But there was something about it on Facebook, I thought this is awful. And how can we get over that?
1: You know, it's, it's that's very difficult. I mean, one of the things that social media gives us is it gives us a layer of mediation. There's like a wall, right, between mm-hmm. us and the other person. Or, or let's say a window. We're able to communicate through it, but there's some sort of separation there. And so because of that separation, we, we seem to be more comfortable in being a little meaner or, right. or you know, not, not caring about that person on the other side. But we really should be empathetic at least you know it's a sort of think about what it's like to be in the shoes of the other person that we're that we're talking to and it's really easy to to not remember that and to sort of take that distance that we have and use it to our advantage um we become mean and we don't have to be i think that we could really it, it takes work of course but if we worked at it we could actually show people the love of god even through the media
0: I guess we can throw in a smiley face uh, emoticon <laughs> and think you know, that we solves can. everything.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, that's the other thing, right? It doesn't actually solve anything. It's just a happy face. But then again, on, on another level, it's a happy face. And people maybe are used to seeing the, the sort of the, the, the meanness on the other mm-hmm. side of that social media connection. And so if we if we give them the happy face, While that really is just a surface thing, uh, maybe that's that little emoticon that people need on the other end. Of course, we should try to extend that to actual care as much as we can. You know, if, if, if our smile is behind that emoticon, then that's much more powerful.
0: Now you are teaching, uh, I presumably mostly younger people at Providence. Um, What role are you seeing social media play in their lives? My my assumption, let me say what my assumption is, is that they're consumed by it. But tell me what's happening.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. I often ask my students how much of their day is consumed by using social media. When you talk about them being consumed by the media around them, I think you're correct. Many of them spend a lot of time on all kinds of social media networks. Instagram is really popular amongst young, young, younger people. Um, but, you know, what's, what's funny is they don't really realize how much time they're spending engaged with these social media some of them even want to be internet celebrities and i talk to them and they're like oh yeah i've got this youtube channel and i've got a certain number of followers and so on and so it is a really big part of people's lives it's how they uh how they create a sense of their own identity i think um one thing that they don't know is what they're doing with it like I was speaking to one of my students who uh, who has this internet channel, and I was saying, you know, well, what is it that you're trying to do? And he was able to give me an answer, but it wasn't one that really satisfied me. And I wonder if some young people are thinking that they want to have the kind of recognition that social media brings, even if it's a bit of a surface recognition, you know, a number of subscribers, a number of likes and number of followers and so on. That's what they're looking for is this sort of recognition in the world. But other than that, I'm not sure if, if all of them realize why they're doing what they're doing, or how they're putting themselves, why they're putting themselves together the way they are online. So it's a bit of a challenge.
0: So as part of your role as uh, their professor, are are you pushing back with them? Do you challenge them? And And if so, how? How do you do that?
1: it's really hard to challenge them. I mean, what I'm doing is I'm asking them to take a look at themselves, to be critical of their own strategies online, to figure out what it is that makes them tick. You know, when somebody says, I really enjoy putting videos online, I, I, want, to, I want them to realize why it is that they enjoy doing that or what it is that they find interesting in the videos that they're consuming online because that's really important to know how those other things work. If they understand what, what, is, um, what is attracting them to other media, they'll then understand maybe what they're trying to get at too. It's a challenge though.
0: So your interest in this and your writing on this, uh, what is it about social media and our modern you know, way of communicating and media and so on that you think is so important and why are you so interested?
1: Well, I think it connects us in ways that we weren't connected before. In in many ways, it allows us to connect to people that are very far away from us. And it allows us to connect to people, frankly, that we might not have a close relationship with. I am now able to communicate with, you know, musicians that I've only heard on on albums that I've bought. You know, people who are perhaps not celebrities like U2 or, or David Bowie or something like that. But somebody who's played on those albums, suddenly I'm able to communicate them on a very... Uh, on a very personal level. I would not have had that opportunity a few years ago in the age of, um, sort of conventional media, but with social media, it's open to me. And I think that's, that's a really interesting thing. It's an opportunity that it gives us that we didn't have before. Um, but it also allows us to be friends without being, you know, really close friends. And, and while on the one hand, that's not so great because you know, we we don't get these really strong relationships with other people. There's not as much investment, that's the other side of it. It's, it's not that bad because it allows us to communicate with others. I think in addition to all of that though, the minute that we write something on social media, we have a potential audience that includes the world, a huge audience. And so it allows us a voice where maybe we feel like we don't have one. And it has that potential to really affect people, to change people, to persuade them to think in other ways. And that's, that's really, really powerful
0: about churches, when you um, see like individual churches, um, using social media or Facebook or whatever? uh, Are there mistakes that they make? Do you think? Have you made some observations about that?
1: When churches ask me about social media, they often are looking for advice about how to set up their pages and which which social medium would be the best one for them to uh, engage with and so on. And I always tell them that the internet is not going to save the world. Um, you know, they, they will not be noticed necessarily. The internet right. is a big, a big place and people might not easily find their web page. Um, you know, that's, that's the thing. They think that, you know, this will cause, you know, infinite growth to the numbers coming to the church. But I don't think that's the case because the Internet is a really big place. And so I always tell people to sort of lower their expectations with what, with what they want to get online, because it may not be that sort of magic bullet, if you will, that will make everything work out right for that church.
0: Yeah, I uh, I've been thinking also about uh, the word platform recently, uh as I've been um dipping my toes into the world of Christian publishing, I guess, and um the fact that a platform is uh, 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 and really there, I think they are in many ways mostly talking about social media, when a publisher asks a Christian writer about their platform. um, Mm -hmm. And it, I'm wondering how you feel that might be impacting what is actually getting published. So uh, that our thinking may be being shaped by really successful bloggers, but not necessarily the best authors who may be being published. Do you know what I mean?
1: I know what you mean. Uh, certainly there are people who have made profiles for themselves on social media. There are those people who are bloggers or those who are on, um, you know, Twitter, well-known Twitter people. Uh, and I'm not sure whether I want to judge that, they're, you know, they're, they're good or not. Uh, I think that there is a, there is a lot that these people have to give when they're on social media. I mean, there's a reason why some of these authors have so many followers on social media. They have something worthwhile there. Um, So I'm not sure that it's necessarily a negative thing. I suspect that publishers are in a tight spot right now as well with all the changes to media, with the introduction of new media, uh, I think publishers that are relying on the old conventional way of an author submitting a manuscript to a publisher and the publisher publishing it that's that's difficult for them to be successful with, and so they have to figure out ways to uh, to negotiate that and so if someone has a huge number of followers on Twitter, then that that gives the publisher an idea of how many people will buy the book and so Yeah, there are those pressures as well, I think. Mm
0: -hmm. So it may not not be that the wildly popular social media person is not a good author. It may be, they may be a really good author, but it may be that the uh, quieter good author needs to get a little more active on social media.
1: Yeah, that's possible. I mean, the, the person who's really popular on social media w- is probably a very good author. Yeah. They're a very good author in, a, in small bites, right? So if they're on Twitter, then they're a very good author in 280 characters. Uh, if they're on Facebook, they're a very good author for a short sort of chunk or whatever. And, and maybe once all of those little chunks are put together, then they're a good author all, all told. Uh, the more conventional authors, it might be time for them to take a look at uh, the media that's around them and see what might fit them best mm-hmm. um, yeah but that's also a challenge for people who don't know anything about social media and have no young people in their lives to, sort of, <laughs> you know lead them on the right path then it's a little bit of a challenge I think
0: right and young people um, in my uh, experience with the young people in my life they do not want me following them around on social <laughs> media either they, they can show me a few things but that's where it stops
1: you know, as long as they can give you some advice, that's probably the best. Yes. Uh, get get the advice and then and then yeah, keep away from them on social media, probably for your sanity and for theirs.
0: Nicholas, who do you follow that uh, listeners to this podcast might know about? Are there, you know, Christian thinkers, for example, that you are careful to follow?
1: There are a few that I find very interesting. Uh, I'm thinking about my Twitter feed now. And there's one author that some of your listeners might know about named Rachel Held Evans. And she's often looked at as a controversial figure because she's very, very critical, I think, about evangelicalism, particularly in the United States. Um, And so not everything that she says might be agreeable to everyone, uh, but she's often very smart in how she writes. So, on Twitter, at least, and I've I've only read a little bit of her other other writing. She's got a number of books that she's released, but on on Twitter, the the short, you know, 280 character snippets that she's got are, are very worthwhile. Uh, if 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 I don't agree with them, at least there's something that that makes me think. I mean, the ones that I disagree with. It makes me think. And that's really important, to be able to engage with someone that that makes you think, perhaps makes you be critical of, of uh, the things that we are so ingrained in. Uh, I think that's very worthwhile. There's another uh, person on Twitter that I follow named James Martin. He's a Catholic, a Jesuit from the United States in New York. Uh, and he works for America Magazine, which is, a again, maybe a centrist, left of center publication there. But he's got a lot of interesting things to say that that again not everyone would agree with but it makes you think and it's it's always nice to see these figures that are actually smart in what they're doing um they're not just they're they're engaging with issues that are even outside of the church and I think that's important to do as well
0: and you know um I'm I follow Rachel Held Evans as well and I enjoy her feed and I think part of it also is yeah if she says something I'm not maybe totally comfortable with, at least it's helping me to understand, you know, the opinion of someone other than my own opinions, and all the people who agree with me.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I was on Twitter the other day, and I I started, um, started following some people, or I guess they started following me, uh, one way or the other. In any case, in my feed, I was seeing things that I didn't really agree with. And I was going to start unfollowing the people. And it was a real challenge for me to actually follow them continue to follow them and read what they were saying. I didn't have to agree with them and I didn't even have to engage with them because I figured, you know, someone else could take that on. I didn't need to that particular moment sort of engage with them in a argumentative way or try to fix them. I didn't do that. I just read it and kept going. And and that was fine actually. I, I really felt that it was okay. I was going to survive. Nothing bad was going to happen if I didn't engage with these particular people that I disagreed with.
0: That is a good way. <laughs> That's a good filter to look through. <laughs> it's a I'm challenge. Go- I'm going to remember that.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I follow, um, you know, quite a few uh, mainstream journalists, secular journalists, because I'm interested in their work and I'm a mm-hmm. news junkie. And I have to say, when I'm following uh, those sorts of things, um, Streams. I think back to the, my Christian friends, who maybe I thought were unfriendly sometimes, and think no, they're like angels. <laughs> because right. it can get pretty rough out there.
1: It really can, yeah, especially because of the polarization that we see, particularly in the United States, and the um, sort of the, the the left, political left and the political right. The journalists that are caught on either side of this as well, seemingly. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, it's difficult. It's, social media is not always a very nice place to be. And I think as Christians, it's our responsibility to inject some uh, humanness into that. Um, maybe that's what we're called to, you know, not to pick sides necessarily, but to change the discourse, change the way that people are speaking to each other, and and really show people the love of God on on the internet. Because I think that's important. Uh, I don't know if Twitter is inundated with Christ. And maybe it's our job as Christians to do that.
0: Well, tell us about your latest Twitter project, because it kind of has something to do with that.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, the latest project that I've been embarking on since the summertime is something called Tweeted Catechism. And what I've d- decided to do is go through all uh, 2,865 paragraphs of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. They have sort of le- these tenets and they're divided into into paragraphs. And I've decided to go through each one of them and and I guess, process them, if you will, translate them, summarize them into 280 characters each. And it's been an interesting uh, interesting process, not always that easy, um, and I'm not trying to be funny or, or witty. There was a, a project that was on Twitter that went through the Bible this way, and it was trying to be kind of funny. I'm not that funny of a fellow, so I, I wasn't able to to do that. But but it's been interesting. You know, even, there's a paragraph in the catechism that says the, the center of catechesis uh, is Jesus Christ. So like the, the center of teaching about the gospel is Jesus. and And I thought that's interesting what I'm doing, really the center of it all, even when it's talking about cosmology or, or, you know, other, other sort of dogmas of the Catholic church that not everyone in Christendom agrees with. Well, the center of all of this is Christ. And I think that's really important and something that, that really affected me. And I think I'll, I'll be thinking about it as I continue going forward with the next, you know, uh, over 2000 paragraphs that I have yet to come.
0: And as you uh, craft those tweets, how long does it typically take you? Well, the,
1: the, the the paragraph is usually literally that a paragraph, it's usually about three or four sentences in the, in the catechism. Um, and so I'll, I'll shorten that to say one or two sentences, maybe ideally one sentence or so. Um, and it might, it might not take me that long, maybe five to 10 minutes each. Um, but it's it's not an easy process. I sort of read it over and, you know, I'm not, I'm not um, spending a lot of time because I, I want to try to do a bunch of them at a time. I want to get through this thing in, in, you know, a relatively short amount of time. It'll still take me over a year at least at this point. But, but I'm trying to get through it. And so I don't spend a lot of time on each. But I do try to process it. I read through it. I think about what's there. I, I maybe meditate it on it for a moment just to... To make sure I understand it. If something is very strange and I'm not familiar with it, I might have to do some cross referencing, or I take a look at the scripture that's referenced there, if there is one. Um, and, and then I and then I write it out and and uh, usually post it or schedule it for posting. Um, so it, it'll take me a half hour to 45 minutes in the morning to do six of them, which has been my my recent uh, trend. So six a day, and I I might be done in a year or so.
0: Wow, and then uh, what? What else are you working on now, Nicholas? That people would be interested to hear about.
1: Uh, the publisher has uh, a manuscript from me. Equinox Publishing in in Sheffield in the UK has a manuscript f- from me about U two. Uh, I like to call them a small Irish band that not many <laughs> know about. Um, some of your listeners might know of U two. Um, I I talk about their uh, their social justice uh, platform. Uh, the, the kinds of things that they uh, try to promote in their music and in their live concert experience, uh, experiences and, and, and what they, they are trying to get their audience to, uh, to do, how they're trying to change their audience's mind. And much of that, much of their project, if you will, is informed by Christianity. And so this, this book is coming out at some point in 2019. So that's, that, that's been my big project for the last couple of years.
0: Beautiful. well When that book comes out, let's get together to speak again. Sure, I'd love to. Thank you so much, Nicholas.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Karen.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.